People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. The international break is over. Premier League Insights is back with the return of domestic soccer action this week and we've got 10 games to analyse to see if there's any value out there for the betters. I'm not going to be able to do it by myself, so thankfully I've got Jake Osgathorpe with me to share his insight and tell us what the InfoGoal numbers suggest for this weekend's fixtures. Hello, Jake. Hi, Ben. How's it going? Yeah, good. Very happy to have Premier League football back. What about you? Yeah, I can't wait. This international break, especially this one with the... uh... You know, the qualifying rounds coming to an end. There's been a lot of dead rubbers. It's nice to have a few meaningful matches coming up. Yeah, we've got a little while to wait now for the next international break. But in the meantime, let's jump into the football for this weekend. Yeah, let's get stuck in. So we've got West Ham versus Tottenham. And it's, it's obviously a big game for both teams. And while fans are probably worried about getting one over on their rivals, I think both managers here and sets of players, their, their sole focus is going to be on those three points. West Ham have fallen to a position that their their performances have probably deserved this season. It was another really bad showing against Burnley before the international break. They gave up another over two expected goals again and they managed just 0.74 themselves. Tottenham perhaps been a bit unfortunate, but not really by, by much. They're performing like a, a mid-table team at the moment. They've su- suffered a dramatic fall from what we've seen over the past kind of two, three years from them. Things did look a little bit better better against Sheffield United in attack, but they still look really open at the back, which is obviously going to be a concern. So I'm not sure I want to ask here, but what's Infogol's verdict on verdict on these two teams and, and how the game might play out this weekend? Yeah, well, the, the verdict on the two teams are, is that both of them aren't very good. Um, uh, they've not played to any sort of level that we expected them pre-season. Um, West Ham in particular... Actually, probably Spurs are the more surprising one from an Infogol perspective. Obviously, top six, uh, you know, expected to finish in the top six, but they've been, like I said, performing like a mid-table team, whereas approaching the start of the season, there was many fans and pundits who thought that West Ham would have a good transfer window. They could kick on and perhaps break the top six, but Infogol never really thought like that. We always thought they'd be bottom half of the table and, you know, the the process hasn't really turned around for them to be thought of as as a top half team. So, yeah, it's just two struggling teams and two teams that desperately um, desperately need a win. Obviously, a point wouldn't be a bad result for West Ham, but first it would be because it could see them fall even further behind. But yeah, it's a case of two teams that are coming in here. They look like they're bereft of confidence. The underlying performances have been really poor, um, especially from West Ham's perspective. Like you mentioned there, the game at Burnley was a, a really, really poor display in which they struggled to th- create much and, and conceded plenty of good chances. Um, in fact, the West Ham have conceded 27 non-penalty big chances this season in the Premier League. Uh, Infield defines big chances, 35% chance of being scored or greater. West Ham have conceded 27 and that is the most in the Premier League, um, just showing how poor they have been in defence and they continue to be. Tottenham, like you said, they, they've had their, their own defensive issues throughout the season. There was a few more signs of life in attack against Sheffield United at home, but still, it, it wasn't the sort of performance that would that blow you away. You know, Sheffield United were always in the game. Um, and if we just look at recent form, now we've got a decent chunk of, of the season gone. We can actually start analysing recent form in, in more detail, uh, obviously having more 
information and, and data available. If you look at the last six matches Spurs have had, um, they rank 14th in, in Figal's expected table for those six games. So things really are looking uh, bleak for Spurs. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure, as you'll tell us, Ben, this is a huge game for West Ham and probably one of their biggest games of the season. So I'm pretty sure the Hammers are going to be up for this. And, you know, they've got a decent record against top six teams when they go to the uh, to the London Stadium. Obviously, they beat Manchester United earlier in the season. Uh, last season, they picked up a few scalps there. And, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that a poor West Ham team can take something off a poor Tottenham team. Uh, and that's where Infogol's looking in this game. We think Tottenham are too short at around 50-51% to get the win. We think that's too short. We rate their chances of getting the win at 44%. So, you know, the value play is um, is to back West Ham to get something. You know, we're, we're 56% chance of West Ham getting either a draw or getting the three points. We think they'll make it difficult for Spurs. Um, it could end up being quite a high-scoring game given both defences that are, that are on show, but we, we quite fancy West Ham to get something. Yeah, I think uh, Tottenham fans will tell you this is West Ham's cup final, or one of two cup finals in the season, both games against <laughs> Tottenham. But the the goals market is suggesting goals as well. So we've got the over three is, is seeing um, action from the market. And I'm just wondering, from your perspective, do you kind of think, you mentioned there may be a high scoring game, but do you think this is one where, we've kind of said it before, when it's teams are, are lower down the table, do they do they try and keep things tight and avoid the loss or do they kind of put the onus on attack and, and try and get a win and change things up. Yeah, it's interesting because if, if this game was being played in under normal circumstances where Tottenham were a top four team, then you could understand West Ham perhaps may, uh, taking a, a more cautious approach um, against you know a high-flying Spurs team. But as it currently stands, Tottenham are what, a mid-table team? West Ham are mid-table. So there's no reason for West Ham not to have a, a crack at Spurs here, you know. Over the full 12 games, Spurs sit 12th in our XG table, so they really are performing like a mid-table team. So West Ham really should be having attacking them like they were almost a Bournemouth or a, a Burnley and having a real go at them. Um, you know, that, I think in this game that's where they would get their rewards rather than just sitting on the laurels and and, and trying to hold Tottenham uh, Tottenham down because it, you know as we've seen over this course of the season it's a it's a pretty weak Tottenham attack so far this season. So if I was West Ham, I'd be having a go at them in this one. Right, so we'll move on to Arsenal versus Southampton and. Moving on from the, the struggles of two London teams and on to another. Obviously, Arsenal had done well to kind of stay within touching distance of the top four after the first few games. They are still in sixth. <laughs> yeah, through no, through nothing, nothing yeah. to do with themselves. <laughs> they are that. still in sixth, but obviously the gap is now opening up and those performances, they're, they're not getting any better. They're, they're closer to the bottom of the table than the top four based on expected points. So, I mean, that kind of tells you how, how skewed those performances or that table was in the early part of the season. Um, Southampton and another team that have been struggling of late. I think their recent run of fixtures have included Tottenham, Chelsea, Wolves, Leicester, Man City and, and Everton, which is obviously you can judge by the table this season, but also last season. That's kind of five or six of the top eight. So they're pretty unfortunate with some results early in the season. They're gonna they'll hope that those things will turn around, but it's not looking good at the moment, especially when they were made to look very poor in their last match at home. So are either of these two teams, are they good value to get back on track, do you think? Uh, not really, no. Um, you, you mentioned that one of, the, one of the biggest and most baffling things about this Premier League season so far is that Arsenal have been playing terribly, but they're still somehow in the top six. Um, it, it just seems like they've been, they've somehow managed to glue themselves to that sixth spot uh, despite playing poorly and not picking up many wins. Um, the game at Leicester, I thought they were okay in the first half. Um, they didn't look like they were 
you know, under too much threat. But as soon as Leicester stepped it up a gear, which it looked like they were capable of, uh, as soon as they stepped it up a gear, Arsenal couldn't live with them. And, uh, you know, Arsenal's missed a few chances, which ultimately cost them. But it was another toothless attacking performance. And we're starting to see these more and more. You know, it's 1.01 against Wolves at home, 1.03 against Leicester. Even 1.58 against Crystal Palace is a poor, you know, poor return for Arsenal. Uh, it could stretch it back even further to Bournemouth, where it was just over one, one expected goal. So, you know, Emery really has got um, this Arsenal team playing really poorly in attack and they, they just don't look like they've got any ideas. No actual process and, uh, and set formation and style as to how they want to play. Uh, and ultimately, that, you know, that's costing them points. And, uh, you know, if they carry on playing like that, it's going to cost them a place in the top six because I think they are uh, performing that poorly. You know, they rank 10th in our expected goals table over the course of the season so far, which I think, you know, they are, like I said already, somehow they've stayed sixth. But if they were down in 10th, it wouldn't be a huge surprise. There's, there's not that much difference in between points. You know, 15th Everton, 14 points. Arsenal is three points above them in sixth. So, you know, if, if they fail to get a win here, they will slip down the table quite uh, quite away. Um, and that wouldn't be a huge surprise. You know, the process is... It's still negative, you know, 1.48 expected goals for per game to 1.63 expected goals against. Any team that performs like that is usually finishes in the bottom half. So, the serious question marks. Um, the fortunate thing for us is that they're playing a Southampton team that are really having a bad time of it at the minute. Um, you know, I, did a, I did a relegation article on InfoGoal last week during the international break looking at the, the candidates. And one of the things that stood out to me was that Southampton... At the start of the season, they weren't getting the results. They were playing well. They ranked sixth in the XG table through six games. They were playing well, like I said, not getting the results. And then the last six games, they've they've ranked all, uh, second bottom. Um, you mentioned that obviously the fixtures haven't been kind to them, but the process looks to have taken a serious nosedive. And uh, they've allowed two point five two expected goals against in the last six matches, which um, you know it's quite it's quite alarming, really. And to say they came up against an Everton team last time out who were. You know, in a similar position to Southampton, they were low down in the division, but the performances suggested that they warranted being higher. Um, and to lose that so convincingly was, was a, you know, is another worrying result. The only consistent thing that we've seen from Southampton is that they do score goals, they do create chances. You know, they've scored against, um, you know, Chelsea in the four-one defeat. Went to Wolves and scored. You know, they went to City and scored. So, like, I've no qualms, no worries. Sorry about them going to Arsenal and getting on the score sheet. And, you know, we've, we've, there's a bit of value in both teams to score, quite surprisingly, according to the Infocom model. We've got a, a 63% chance of both teams hitting the net compared to around 60% on the market. Um, Arsenal, 64% on the market, which just looks way too short for me, uh, especially given what we've seen. They, they, even when they go in front, they struggle to kill teams off. They've given up leads on numerous occasions. They're very um, reliant on set pieces to score the goals at the minute, not creating too much from open play. It's going to be another struggle for Arsenal. We're giving them only a 58% chance of getting the win, so there's no value in backing the home win. Um, if you were looking for a you know, a big price bet, I wouldn't put anyone off back in Southampton or the draw, just given how poorly Arsenal have been playing and how tough Southampton can make it for teams. But we're looking at goals. We think over three and a half is, is, is an interesting play here. Um, personally, I think both teams to score is, is probably the safer bet, but obviously at a shorter price. Over three and a half goals, we've got a 45% compared to around 44% on the market. Yeah, same sentiments from the, the betters at Pinnacle, it seems. Two 
two difficult teams to work out. People avoiding the 1x2 with Arsenal very high, like you said, 64 65%. But three goals again, the one over seeing the action on this. So we'll move on to Bournemouth versus Wolves. And we had a, a couple of weeks of adjustment to get used to with this new Bournemouth team that they weren't so attack heavy. They instead focused on that strong defence. But thankfully, that all seemed to go out the window in their last match. And it was back to the Bournemouth that we're used to. It was 2.13 XG for themselves. And then they gave away 2.98 to their opponents, Newcastle. Um, I don't know if we can say we know what to expect from Bournemouth anymore moving forward. But it seems that their opponents, Wolves, they're... They're finding their form of last season after that difficult start, and they're they're back to the team that we know they can be. They're much better, much the better side against Aston Villa, and deserved the win. And they're now just one point off fifth, and and look like they're getting better and better. So, is Infogol able to work Bournemouth out, or does the improving Wolves side offer the value here? What's the thinking? Um, the thinking is definitely to get on side with Wolves um, in this game, and. Most of that is down to the fact that Wolves' process last season and now this season is miles better than what Bournemouth have got to offer, even with home advantage. So uh, Wolves is definitely the play. You mentioned that the, the uncertainty around how Bournemouth are going to set up, how they're going to play, given what we've seen in terms of you know four matches involving two goals and then three goals at, at, you know, at Newcastle, allowing three, nearly three expected goals to a really poor Newcastle team that have struggled in attack this season. That's a bit of a worry. If they play like that against Wolves, they'll get absolutely shredded, I've no doubt. Wolves have got so much more attacking quality than what Newcastle have available. The question is just how they how Bournemouth set up. Will they set up to make things tight, to try and keep a clean sheet, um, which they've shown they're more than capable of. So that that's the only question mark, really. And it doesn't seem like there's a pattern. Like you said, we went through three or four weeks where we kept things tight and you know it, it was pretty boring, Bournemouth. Um, whereas last week, well, the last game, sorry, they, they, they stepped it back up again and made it uh, a much funner watch for everyone involved. Um, so, yeah, the, the question marks out about Bournemouth as to how they're going to set up, how they're going to play. Uh, I won't be surprised if you take a cautious approach here because Wolves are a, a really strong side and they're all side that if you have a go at them, they can really tear you apart. And But as we've seen from Wolves, they, they've slowly found the groove. They're, they're playing some really nice football. They're creating really good chances. They were lucky not to beat Arsenal in game week 11 and then home to Villa they just comfortably beat them 2.66 expected goals to 0.68 they were arguably unfortunate not to win by a bigger margin than the 2-1 so they are a team that are trending in the right direction their their process is is now quite heavily positive 1.6 expected goals 4 to 1.3 expected goals again so they are like I said trending in the right direction they seem to be fine in the form I think Nuno's finally settled on a formation that that gets the best out of his players, uh, deploying a 4-3-3, sorry. So Triori gets in the team alongside Jimenez and Jota. And that seems to be working really well for them. And, you know, that we could, we're, we're around 41% of a Wolves win. We think that there's a decent amount of value. I think the market's got them slight second favourites, around 35%. So there's good value in backing a Wolves to get the win here. And, you know, I, I really do think that this is, this is probably one of the bets of the weekend. I think Bournemouth are... Um, you know, they're, they're nowhere near the standard of Wolves. Wolves have got so much, um, you know, quality in midfield. They're, they're likely to dominate the ball. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd really like Wolves this weekend. And if you're looking for something at a bigger price, we've we've also got both teams to score value. So we're 64% of both teams to score compared to around 60% on the market. Um, 62% over two and a half compared to 52% on the market. So we're expecting goals 
Um, so if you wanted to combine the two and go Wolves to win and both teams to score, you get a nice juicy price there. Plenty of confidence from you, Jake. I like it. Yeah, I really like Wolves this weekend. I think it's a really good matchup for them, um, which only means one thing, that Bournemouth are going to win comfortably. Right, so we'll move on to Brighton versus Leicester. And Brighton are a team that we've kind of been bashing a lot of teams on this podcast. Brighton are one of the ones that we're actually been pretty positive about, and mainly because they look completely different to, they did, to what they did last season. They've got a good attacking process and they're built on that fairly stable back line. But then they did go and struggle away against Manchester United. I think it was very hefty, like 3.5 xG. Um, they're now obviously got a difficult game again. A lot of the talk this season has been about Le- been about Leicester. I think they've gone from top six contender to shoe into top four and now a genuine title challenger within the space of a month. But we've kind of mentioned it before that when you look at that underlying process, they aren't that close to Manchester City and Liverpool and they're actually below a team like Everton in terms of expected points and when you consider Everton and I think you said earlier 15th in the table it shows just how much noise you've got to deal with with the the current Premier League table so is the is the info goal model beginning to look past the Brighton of last season and give them a good chance here or does it think that Leicester can continue this good run of form? Yeah we're slightly looking past it we're not not to a huge extent, but we do think that there is value in backing Brighton to get something here, um, mainly due to the fact that Leicester are extremely short, again, for another away game. Um, they went off really short at Crystal Palace. Obviously, they made that look easy, but I think Brighton are a, are a team that are a lot better than Crystal Palace, especially at home. Um, you know, Like you mentioned, they were, they were comfortably beaten by Manchester United last um, in the last game, but they do seem a different team, uh, home and away. So, you know, they're away from home, they've 14th in our expected goals table, uh, whereas at home they've been the fourth best home team in the league on expected goals. So they, they are a really a side that really like the home comforts and that you know their their process is is fantastic at home. They've obviously they've been, they've won the last three games at home, which always a positive. Um, and the three games prior to that, they were unlucky not to win two of those. So they are you know they, they're unlucky not to have picked up more points um, at the Amex and. The underlying process at, at home is absolutely fantastic. You know they're, they're averaging over two expected goals for per game and allowing less than one one expected goals against per game. So they are really are a team that that really excel when they're playing in front of their own fans. And I think that that will come into this game quite a lot. Um, Brighton have been slightly underrated here. And I'm not going to go out and say that they're going to get the three points because Leicester are a really fantastic team and they're showing it week in week out now that um, you know. Probably more the defensive solidity that they've got within the team and, and how they're not missing a player like Harry Maguire. And yeah, they, they just look a really well rounded team. Um, you mentioned there that they're perhaps a little bit higher in the division than, than would be expected. And you know, all the talk of being a title contender is absolute nonsense. They're not going to keep pace with Liverpool and Manchester City playing the way they are anyway, that is for sure. Um, you know, the 2 0 flattered them against Arsenal. The two goals were really nice, well taken goals. Um, but they continue to outperform their expected goals by uh, by quite a you know quite a huge margin. I think they've, they've scored twenty nine goals from chances equating to seventeen point seven expected goals. You've got an overperformance of nearly twelve goals there, which is not going to be sustainable over the course of the season. Um, and obviously, the the main talking point has been Jamie Vardy and how he leads the you know the the race for the golden boot. But even his numbers are just absolutely ridiculously unsustainable he's netted 11 goals from 4.7 expected goals which 
you know, I, I did a sim uh, for a, a top scorer article and the chances of him scoring 11 goals from from the, you know, the attempts that he's had are around 0.9%. So it, it, basically he, he's running extremely hot, Leicester are running extremely hot and sooner or later they're going to uh, regress to, to what their process suggests and what the performances deserve. So this could be one of those games where um, you know, there's a lot of people expecting them to win and I've no doubt that there'll be in a lot of people's um, three o'clock accumulators probably looking at this and thinking the Brighton of last season rather than the Brighton that we've seen this season and, and obviously what we've seen from Leicester so far. People will probably look at that um, 47, 48% and think, yeah, that's a really good bet. But I would advise against it. I think there's still reason to be wary of, uh, of, of Leicester, especially on the road to a team that, that have performed extremely well um, in front of their own fans, not just with results, but with underlying process as well. So, yeah, the goal selection for this one is, is to is to back Brighton or the draw. We're around a 56% chance compared to, uh, what's it, 53% on the market. So that that's the play in this one. And, and if you're looking in the goals market, we we actually think that the uh, the, the play is to back against goals. Um, you remember a few weeks ago we had, I can't remember, Norwich and Villa or... No, Norwich and Bournemouth, and um, and it was the same case where, you know, the the overs and over two and a half and both teams to score were just extremely short, and that is um, is again the case here. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a bet in the goals market, I'd recommend either backing both teams to score now or under two and a half because both of those represent value compared to what's on offer. Yeah, it's interesting to hear how how much those things change when you dive into the the process, home versus away, and. Obviously, people listening to this are aware of of home field advantage and the benefits of playing in your own stadium. I think there's, we'll probably talk about it a little bit with um, Sheffield United as well, because there's a big contrast there. But do you think, is it kind of teams are are setting up differently tactically? Like Brighton know they have to maybe, if they're on their travels, they might set up to kind of play defensively while they can be a little bit more free-flowing at at home. Is that the case? I think so, yeah. Um, I think he... Potter will see the opportunity playing in front of their own fans. It can be a bit more expansive. Um, they can open up and have a go because at the end of the day, that was one of the main reasons that he was brought in was to play entertaining football rather than um, you know the the eleven men behind the ball that Chris Hewton deployed. So um, I think he's almost I think that's his style anyway. I think he wants to open up and have, and you know uh, have a go at teams. Um, you know there there are away matches this season. They've played you know, obviously at United. They've played at Chelsea. Um, well, they played at Manchester City. It's tough away games, really, that, you, that you've had to contend with. They've gone up to Newcastle, dominated the game. Um, and obviously, they played against Aston Villa. They were 1-0 up and then got reduced to 10 men. So, while on the face of it, the you know the home record is way better than the away record, they, you could argue that the, the, um, the schedule has, has been quite kind to them at home compared to away from home. So, um, there's quite a lot of that that come into it. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they start picking up points on the road um, you know, the rest course of the season, just playing where they are, because the, the underlying process has been excellent. They sit eighth in the expected goals table, just two places below Leicester. So, you know, it's a quite an even matchup, really, um, if you're looking at just solely on, on this season's form. Um, we're, so we're getting to the point now where the Infocore model will um, not not negate what was already happened last season, but it will start to, um, to take this season um, underlying process more um, heavily weighted. Right, so we'll move on to Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. And Crystal Palace is probably another team that have seen just how much can change in a short space of time when you're just 12 games into the season. Obviously, a bit of a theme emerging here, but they had their eyes on top four a few games ago. But now after three losses and a draw in their last four games, have dropped down to 12th. And 
I think in fairness, those losses were against three of the top four, so you can maybe look past that a little bit. But they have now got a, another team from the top four and the one that just so happens to be top of the table travelling to Selhurst Park and everything just seems to be going well for Liverpool this season. They've, they've battled their way to a few wins recently. The the other title contenders have slipped up when they shouldn't have and it, Liverpool just seem to be getting better and better. Um, Manchester City actually won the XG battle from that big game a couple of weekends ago, but, but obviously the game state there, Liverpool raced into an early lead. They didn't re- really need to create many chances to see the game out from that point on. So we've, we've got to look beyond those numbers really. And I think if you go back a few years, Palace played a big part in Liverpool falling short of the title. They've they got the better for a while after that, but Liverpool have won six of the last seven or something like that. So does Infogol think that run continues or can, can Palace maybe salvage something from a difficult run of fixtures? Yeah, well, the, the Infogol model thinks it's going to be a Liverpool win. Um, there's not a lot of value there. We're, we're quite in line with what's available in the market. But uh, I've got to say, I'm really down on Palace at the minute. I was really, really disappointed with their, you know, their performances. Palace are, are known for, or they've got this stigma almost that they they, they go to the big teams and, and they get points and play well. But like you mentioned, they've, they've had four big teams in a row really, and they've not shown up in in any of them. Oh, sorry, they showed up against Arsenal, but I don't know if we can class them as a big team. Um, yeah, Man, the Manchester. City. Oh yeah, you had to, to get a dig in there. Weekly occurrence. Um, yeah you know against Manchester City they just rolled over um, and Leicester was arguably their worst performance especially in front of their own fans they were absolutely appalling really they they really struggled to create and then at Chelsea they just rolled over again so against the best teams in the country they are really struggling which is unlike Palace it seems as though that formula that they played with for the last two three years where they did seems to have broken um Roy Hodgson is obviously scratching his head. He's got some decent players there, but they're just they're just not playing against the better teams. And I expect this to be uh, a similar game. You know, the, the three the three games that they lost have all been by a two nil score line. Very dominant two nils as well. I can see something very similar here. I think Liverpool will show the class. They went there last season and won comfortably, and I expect something similar. Um, similar here, and you mentioned a little fortunate to be. Um, Manchester City based on expected goals, and obviously the, it was the you know the, the whole handball uh, malarkey that that really swung the game. This minute was it wasn't it? Should it have been given? Should it you know it, it, that's just what VAR was brought in for? But it, you know it's not not being clear and obvious, and it's not letting everyone know what the decision is. Um, so you just have to go with it. And as soon as that goal was scored by Liverpool by Fabinho, um, I don't think there was any chance that he was going to overturn it. That would have been an absolute uproar at Anfield. But, um, you know, they, they, they played well. They took the chance. They were clinical. And that's what they've been doing all season long, you know. Um, that's why they're top of the table. They, 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 they two are running hot. I said Leicester are running hot in terms of expected goals. Liverpool are, um, are running hot in both attack and defence. Uh, overscored by three according to expected goals and, you know, allowed three fewer than what would be expected. So, you know, they, they've had a little bit of luck on the side and they've won tight games, 2-1, um, two, like quite a few 2-1s, which... Over the course of the season, winning by a one-goal margin isn't a good sign. Um, as it tends to balance out, well, either the end, either this season or next season, it will balance out. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to have way too much for the for Crystal Palace. Uh, there's obviously doubts about whether Mohamed Salah will be fit. Um, I think I saw that Sadio Mane picked up a knock as well, playing for Senegal, so that'll be interesting. But um, yeah, I still think that Liverpool will win this game comfortably. I think Palace have, have really. Going to recently, and you know they, they actually they sit 18th in the goals table, which is 
um, a worrying sign for for the Eagles. And then the last six matches, they've allowed an average of 2.15 expected goals again. So expect Liverpool to create plenty of chances. Um, I'm not expecting Crystal Palace to get on the score sheet either. Um, you remember we tipped the both teams to score in, in I think all of those games that they lost 2-0, which is yeah, hugely disappointing from an Infocol perspective. But it seems as if Crystal Palace has, has really taken a nosedive. And um, same as, as what said for the for the Leicester Brighton game, I think opposing goals is the way to go in this one. Um, there's no value in both teams to score. In fact, there's both value in backing both teams to score. No. Um, and the same for over two and a half. We've got 60% of over two and a half compared to the 64% on the market. So if anything, I'd say you're back against the goals. Maybe want a, a nice ch- chunky price, go for the win at Liverpool. Yeah, and just on Liverpool, I know we kind of talked a little bit about um, their expected goals and this that they come from behind in a couple of games. And obviously the game against City, that, that City won on expected goals. There's actually, Andrew Beasley has written a very good article on the Liverpool Echo, kind of looking into shots on target or shots on target ratio and how many shots they take versus how many shots they get on target. So I think anyone listening that's interested in diving into Liverpool's numbers in a little bit more detail, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend reading that article. Our next game is Everton versus Norwich and Marco Silva, one of the managers in the league that's been under a lot of pressure this season. His size performances haven't actually been that bad though and they're currently 15th. They're just three points off fifth that you said earlier and his underlying numbers suggest that they could be a lot closer to the top four. Um, They had a good win against Southampton before the international breaks and they'll be hoping that they can maybe kick on from that. Their opponents, I mean... There isn't really much to be positive about for Norwich, unfortunately. They're the rock bottom of the actual league table and the one based on expected goals. Um, the gap between them and the others seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Their problems clearly stem from a very poor defence. Um, some overperformance in attack probably papered over the cracks early on, but they really need to work on kind of both areas of the pitch if they're going to steer clear of the relegation zone. So... This one seems like it's a good fixture for Everton to come back to after the international break. Do you think there's any chance that that Norwich can bring that pressure back on Marco Silva? Uh, No, no, not at all. Um, (laughs) I think they're in serious trouble, Norwich. I mean, uh, me and Mark Taylor ran the Sims over the international break for percentage chance of um, finishing position in the Premier League. And we got an 83% chance of Norwich going down this season um, after only 12 games. So... We're not optimistic about their chances at all. Um, their underlying process is the worst in the league. They rank they sit bottom of the XG table. So they are they are really a team that are hugely struggling. Um, like I said, both ends of the pitch. If you look at the last six matches, the um, you know, the, the chances have dried up, the goals have dried up. They're averaging just one point zero two expected goals for the game. And, you know, in defence, they've had they've had defensive issues, um, mainly with the injuries. So that that obviously can't be solely put on them, but yeah, they're allowing 2.53 expected goals against in the last six games. So basically, they're just waving teams through. Yeah, go and have a shot. Um, which is obviously not it's a recipe for relegation. And that, unfortunately for Norwich, that's exactly what they're playing like. Since that, that victory against Manchester City, everything has just gone. Um, yeah, it's just, just gone completely wrong. Um, injuries have played a part, like I mentioned. But um, I still don't think they've, they've got a full. Um, I love health in terms of defence. I think this is a perfect game for Everton. Um, obviously, they've got. <coughs> I've just looked at the fixtures now, and after this game, which probably goes down as must-win, looking at the fixtures, um, they've got Leicester, Liverpool, 
Chelsea, Manchester United, Arsenal as the next six games. So this is must win. Um, I do think if Everton don't get the win here, I really do worry for uh, I do worry for Marco Silva. I think there's every chance that if if they don't win here, he, he could be in serious trouble, especially with the fixtures coming up. So um, yeah, th- this is a huge game for Everton. It's a game they should win. Uh, it's a game that I think they will win. Um, they sit fifth in the expected goal table. The process has been fantastic all season. They're a team that are in a false position, really. They should be a lot higher. Um, but the market knows, or well, it is, it's up to date with how bad Norwich are, um, which is why I think you're getting such a short price on Everton. Around 69% on the market. Impulse around 67 so there's no value in there. But um, I think I quite like this bet as well. The, the, we're backing both teams to score no. Um, yeah, I think Norwich are going to really struggle again to, to hit the net and, if there was any a game that they were going to get their, um, you know, the scoring boots and the creating boots back on, it was against Watford at home in the last match. Uh, obviously, Watford were winless going into that game, but Norwich really struggled to create anything. They managed just, you know, less than one expected goals for the fifth game out of uh, out of six. They are really struggling. I think Everton have been, you know, they've probably gone under the radar defensively in terms of process. They're, they're allowing just one point one seven expected goals against per game this season, which is one of the best defensive records in, in the Premier League, according to expected goals. So I really do think that Everton could shut Norwich out again and, and have a comfortable home victory. Uh, if you want to go, uh, again, a bigger price, you can get Everton win to nil. It's going to be you know, a, a decent price, given that both teams to score no is around 48%. Uh, Info goals around 53% chance of the both teams to score no. So there's, there's good value in backing that as a single. But if you want to go uh, put the two together and Everton win to nil, I think that's a really good bet this week. So we'll move on to our next game. It's Watford versus Burnley. And obviously Watford finally got their first win of the season just before the international break. They did deserve that win, but given how we've just talked about how poor Norwich have been, they perhaps might have wanted the the underlying numbers to look a little bit more convincing. And for them, I guess, when you look at their, their performances over the 12 games this season, there's not going to be too much concern, but they're really going to want us to start putting some a decent run of results together to try and climb up the table. Um, they have got a difficult fixture this weekend against a Burnley side who is a bit of a pattern here. They they play well. They then seem to have a couple of poor results, but then pick things up again. They had that run of three losses. It did include games against Leicester and Chelsea, and both of those were a bit a bit strange in the sense that I think Burnley had the better of both of those games. But then they followed that up with a, a really poor result against Sheffield United. And then after all of that, they went and steamrolled West Ham and now... They're just one win off the top six. So is this a game, do you think, where Watford can begin to string those results together or is it going to be the the good Burnley that we've seen this season turn up again? We're expecting the good Burnley um, to turn up again. Like you mentioned with Watford, they've been a little bit unfortunate so far this season, especially to be in the relegation zone. Um, the performances haven't warranted that. Uh, they are still conceding good chances on a regular basis, though, albeit they did limit Norwich to to very little but as we said in the in the previous uh, game Norwich are the worst team in the league on expected goals so um not not too much to sing and dance about that one really uh, they're allowing 1.8 expected goals against per game while Watford so they are they are a gettable side and on the key case centres Flores they're not really scoring too many and creating too many chances you, uh, you look at the last six Premier League games and and they, they failed to score in three of those um uh, including, obviously, a goalless draw against Sheffield United, in which they did create good chances. Uh, another goalless draw against Bournemouth, which was a fair result. And, uh, you know, against Chelsea, they, they were 
really fortunate to get on the score sheet uh, for a, what can only be described as a dubious penalty. So they're, they're really struggling to create chances. They are conceding good chances. And, and I do feel that this Burnley team is going to have a little bit too much for them. And you mentioned there that they, although they did come off the back of three defeats, they, they did steamroll West Ham. It was a, it was a very one-sided match. They created by far and away the better chances and just, just bullied them really. And, um, you're right to mention that the, the defeats that they've had this season have been a little bit um, unfortunate. You know, that you think back to the Arsenal defeat where they, they were a better team on expected goals. It's the same with both the defeats against Leicester and uh, and that 4-2 defeat at home to Chelsea. So they're doing a lot right at Burnley and, and it all stemmed from Christmas last year where uh, they were playing like a relegation threatened side and, and then all of a sudden they came out of, um, out of Christmas and New Year and they've, they've started performing like a top half team. I don't know what what Sean Dyche threw for them in terms of a Christmas party, but it definitely worked. Um, yeah, their last six matches, they're averaging 1.55 expected goals for and 1.27 expected goals again. So they are continuing to play like a, a top-half team. And, you know, the, the market's got Watford as 42% favourites for this game. I do think that's a slight overreaction to the, to the fact that they got their first win of the season. And I'm guessing that the market's expecting confidence to be high and Watford to kick on and, and, and move up the table because they are, like I said, in a false position. But Infigol thinks that, that Burnley are, are the better of the two teams here, even with Watford's home advantage. And we're, we're giving Burnley a 40% chance of getting the three points compared to around 29% on the market. So we actually make Burnley favourites to get the win, uh, which is the obvious value play in this one. And if, if you want to go for something you know, at a bigger price rather than backing Burnley, both teams to score and over two and a half in this game uh, represents value as well. So... We're expecting goals um, and we're expecting an away win with, like I said, plenty of value in backing Burnley. Yeah, big flip there. As you said, Burnley are currently just under 29% on the market. So seeing them as favourites be an interesting one to see what happens. Our next game is Manchester City versus Chelsea. And this one's it's going to be a really good match. I think Manchester City, they, they gave away more ground to Liverpool before the international break. And now they're they're coming back to a difficult fixture to try and stop that gap from getting any bigger there. Their struggles have, have obviously been at the back. I think injuries, you had that uh, Fernandinho was out for a bit. It really hasn't helped their cause. It's all well and good having a, a ridiculous attacking process, but if you consistently give away chances, you're you're always going to open yourself up to conceding goals and, and then needing to almost be more clinical up front to, to try and get the result that you deserve. And talking of clinical, that's pretty much what Chelsea have been this season. There were issues at the back for them to start and while they they haven't exactly completely gone away but things have got better and they they just look very good going forward I think they're on a par with with Liverpool as the second best team in the league going forward and there's there's definitely potential for them to to cause Manchester Manchester City some problems so does Infogol think Chelsea could heap more misery on Pep and maybe position themselves as Liverpool's biggest challengers moving forward? Uh, not really, no. Uh, we think the market's got this priced up pretty pretty much spot on. Where the market's around 68% chance for City win, Infocol's around 69%. So there's a bit of a small amount of value in um, in City getting the win. And I think that there's been a slight overreaction to the defeat at Liverpool. Um, it was a 3-1 defeat, but it wasn't never a 3-1 game. Liverpool were extremely clinical with their chances. Um, obviously, it helps when you score a screamer from 25 yards to kick things off. Uh, but yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't Man City's worst performance of the season, and it, it wasn't their best. Guardiola came out afterwards and said that he was extremely proud of the performance. I won't go that far. It wasn't they weren't they weren't fantastic. They didn't. It wasn't like the Tottenham game, for example, where they drew two two 
they created three and a half expected goals and Tottenham allowed, created just 0.1. So it wasn't like that. That was that would have been the best performance in the season. This was just a um, a slightly unfortunate loss. A 1-1 draw would have probably been a fairer result. And, you know, it's another game in which they, they stamped their authority and, and they did play, um, they did dominate the football and, and create more chances. But um, I think that sort of played into Liverpool's hands a little bit. And I think the same could happen in this game if, if they're not careful, Man City, because this Chelsea team are, are really firing on all cylinders at the minute. They are creating plenty of good chances on a regular basis. They're doing it in all competitions. Um, and they do look a little bit tighter at the back in in recent weeks, especially um, especially in front of the home fans. Obviously, you think the two 0 win over Crystal Palace, uh, the the 2-0 win over Brighton. They've looked really really solid. Obviously, it's a big step up in class now playing Manchester City, and we'll see what they're made of. Um, Chelsea, like as you mentioned, they are above Man City in the table at the minute, and if they got a result here, then you know we we probably have to start taking Chelsea seriously going forward, and um, and it would almost certainly. Uh, it would almost certainly see them come top four. Um, I'd be nailed on for a top four if they went to Man City and got something. They, they've been impressive, and, and you know this is a this is quite an interesting game because it is the top two in Infogol's six-game form table facing off against each other, with Man City sitting top and Chelsea sitting second. So um, there's two teams that are in form based on expected goals. Uh, you mentioned there with Man City, they, they are creating a, a huge amount of chances per game. They're averaging three point one five. Expected goals for, which is just staggering, really. It's, it's the sort of number that we haven't seen in the Premier League um, since I've been working at Infogol, anyway, um, to, to produce that for over a sustained period of time. And defensively, 1.19 expected goals against. It isn't. It's not bad. Um, it is it's an increase on, on what they delivered last season. But if you take their, their expected goal difference per game, so the 3.15 minus the 1.19, uh, their actual process has, has improved year on year from last season, which... Um, which is perhaps a bit of a surprise given the uh, given the results and the, the points total that they've, they've chalked up so far. So um, you hit the nail on the head. They're conceding chances, and uh, and that's fine to concede chances if you're creating good chances and taking them. And they're, they're just not being clinical enough at the moment at Manchester City, which is a huge surprise given you know they've got the likes of Sergio Aguero, Jesus, Sterling, but they're just not being clinical enough, and um, and and that could end up coming back to bite them when uh, down you know down the line Liverpool could end up. Uh, running away with it, and if Man City don't uh, get the shooting boots on, uh, it's a tough one to call this. Like I said, there's a small amount of value in a City win. I do think that City will get the win. Um, I don't think they'll have it all their own way. I think Chelsea will be a tough, tough team to break down, and they'll be looking to hit on the counter attack. But uh, unsurprisingly, then the market is is heavily in in favour of goals. They're around 58% chance of both teams to score, 60% chance of over two and a half. I think so. They're expecting a lot of goals, and and Infogol suggests that the you know backing against goals is the play again here, and uh, we're tipping up both teams to score. No, we've we've got a decent bit of value in in backing against both teams to score. So uh, it could be a rare a rare City shutout, um, or we could see a huge surprise and, and see Chelsea go there and nick the win. Um, but we're not expecting, like I said, we're not expecting both teams to hit the net. Over two and a half goals could still be in the question in the in the picture given. Um, given how both these sides attack, uh, but yeah, I, I think Man City win to nil would be a, a good bet here at a, at a decent price. But you never know. It, I think the big one for me in terms of Manchester City is if Edison's back fit or not, and if he's not fit and Claudio Bravo's starting in the net, then Chelsea will be fancying the chances because he he arguably should have saved all three of the goals at Anfield. I think Bravo's letting more goals than he's made saves in his last couple of games, isn't he? 
That wouldn't be a surprise. I think I could do a better job. But yeah, I think that you're right in that Manchester City just a touch over 68% on the market. Um, the goals are, as you rightly said, um, the market suggesting goals at three and three point five, with with betters taking the over. And I guess the you're going or suggesting Manchester City clean sheet. I guess the general perception is if if Chelsea can nick one, which to some seems likely, given Manchester City's defensive problems and and Manchester Manchester City are as good going forward as they have been. Then then plenty of goals is is definitely definitely possible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and um, I think looking at the the Chelsea's games against the, the better teams in the league. Obviously, they got beat by Man United early in the season and that was when Lampard was still finding his team and, and the same could be argued against Leicester. Um, they, they pressed against Liverpool. They were unfortunate to lose. They actually won the XG battle in that in that game and that was the last defeat in the league. So, uh, we've not really got too much um, evidence or to suggest that Chelsea will be, you know, to, to suggest how they'll set up in these big games and um, obviously, going to City is is the toughest game you're going to face in the league this season. So it's a really good test for Chelsea and uh, and this young team, and obviously Frank Lampard, and see how much he's progressed them. Next up, we've got Sheffield United versus Manchester United, and this one, when you look at the table, obviously Sheffield United jump out was the biggest surprise package this season. There, currently sitting fifth. Um, there's a couple of things that need to be looked at in a little bit more detail before we get too carried away with that position. Firstly, the the thing that we've touched on a couple of times is that the points difference between 5th down to 15th is only a couple of points. And we are almost a third of the way through the season and a lot can still change after one game. So Sheffield United put a poor run together. All of a sudden, they could be dropping down the table at an alarming rate. But secondly, and probably more importantly, it's, it's Sheffield United's underlying process is, is far from what you'd usually expect from a top six team. And Instead, they're they're closer to a, a lower bottom half side. Um, even then, I think that's something that they're they're still going to be happy with at this stage of the season. Obviously, the the target was likely stay in the Premier League and see what happens from there. But they're they're given a good account of themselves so far with their opponents. I don't I don't really know what to say about Manchester United that we haven't already covered. They have got a good defensive process. The attacking process previously was getting bumped up by a lot of penalties but it seems like they're improving now they're a team that were on the receiving end of some some bad luck early on and last couple of games they've, they've been getting better we we did think they turned the corner against Norwich but then they turned up and disappointed against Bournemouth they've now gone and got another imp- impressive win against Brighton so we'll have to see if they can actually keep it up this time and and begin to bridge that gap to the top four do you think this is one where a Manchester United capable of putting a couple of decent performances together or or can Sheffield United rely on that home form and, and stifle that attack? From an info perspective, we, we think there's a, a, a huge amount of value in backing Manchester United to win here. Um, part of that is is due to the fact that obviously Sheffield United sit fifth in the table um, and I think there's a slight overreaction to that um, in terms of how the market's priced this up. You know, there's a 27% chance of getting the win um, 30% chance of the draw and, and Infogol goes 20% of the win and 23% chance of the draw. So we, we actually, we're, we're still rating them and still viewing them as um, as, as a newly promoted team, which is is correct. And, and their process is is that of what we'd expect from a team to be, you know, in and around a relegation zone and just or just above it. You know, they're averaging 1.32 expected goals for and 1.51 expected goals against. So that, you know, from an Infogol perspective, this is a team in... 14th, 15th, taking on a team that in fourth, because Manchester United sit fourth in our XG table, um, much to the surprise of many, I would imagine. But 
their underlying process has been pretty good this season. Uh, especially defensively, you mentioned it there, they're averaging just 1.07 expected goals against per game, which is the best defensive record in the Premier League according to expected goals. So, um, yeah, the thing with Man United is we're just, you know, from a, from a data perspective anyway, they, they sh they're flagging up really well on all these metrics. But um, until we actually see a sustained period of, uh, of decent performances and, and good results, then it's really hard to sort of figure out what sort of a team they are. Um, you mentioned they were unlucky to, at the start of the season through through periods, and um, but that that was almost with a pinch of salt because they weren't actually doing anything fantastic. They were winning games on XG like one point two to zero point five, and if you do that week week in week out, there's still a high probability that you'll not win the game. Whereas the last few performances that we've seen that have been impressive, you know, the Norwich game, four point six one to zero point nine seven. 99 times out of 100, you're going to win that game. And, and the same goes for the Brighton game, 3.55 to 1.22. So if they keep putting in those sorts of performances, then uh, obviously the much more optimism comes around uh, Manchester United. But this is going to be a tough game. We saw what Sheffield United did to Arsenal um, a few Mondays ago. They just stifled them and didn't let them play football. And saw what they did to Burnley as well, which was a, a hugely impressive result. But I, I think Man United will have a little bit too much quality um, for Sheffield United. They are in a false position, Sheffield United. They're 14th on our expected goals table. As you mentioned, there isn't too much points difference between um, Sheffield United and Everton, who are uh, 14th or 15th anyway. So, uh, But for Chris Wilder, you know, he's, made, he's done an ex excellent start to the season. And although the points difference isn't huge to 14th, to the relegation zone, you're looking at nine points, which is uh, which is what the Blades will be marking themselves on. Um, this is a free hit for them, really. They've got one of the big six at home. It's going to be rocking the stadium. It's live on TV, a 4.30 kickoff. They will throw the kitchen sink. They've shown that they can mix it with the big boys. Obviously, the Liverpool only just scraped past them. They beat Arsenal and then drew with Tottenham. So this is going to be a huge test for Manchester United. But I just think that the, the matchup in, in styles, I think, will suit Man United. Do you think Sheffield United play a back three? With the the bombing all, uh, the wing backs that bomb on, I think Manchester United will play a, a, a wide two with Rashford and Martial tucking in behind the, the wing backs, and I think that could cause Sheffield United some serious problems. Um, ultimately, that that you know the, the huge value play from an Infogol perspective is to back Manchester United. There's a fourteen percent margin there in our favour um, based on what the models predicting. We get we're a fifty seven percent chance of a United win compared to forty three percent on the market. So. Yeah, the huge surprise to us is that United are, are odds against, especially given the fact that they've, you know, they went to an, another new promoted team, Norwich, and, and made light work of them, and then beat Brighton, who sit, you know, top half of our expected goals table, quite comfortably. So um, it's going to be a good test for both teams, and it'll, it'll tell us a lot more about um, where these two teams are and how good they are moving forward. But like I said, we're expecting a United win. Yeah, I must admit, even first glance myself, seeing United below sort of forty-four percent did come as a bit of a shock. I guess moving forward then beyond kind of this game, do you do you think that top four is still is there still potential for United to get there, or is it now just a case of cementing a top six for this season? There's still potential, yeah. Um, I mean, if you think just this weekend, if Manchester United get a win at Sheffield United, if if Man City beat Chelsea, then all of a sudden the gap is it is was ten points, it's down to seven, and obviously there's a head to head game still to go between the two teams and. Um, you know, it's hard to think that Leicester and Chelsea will be able to keep the, this level of consistency over the over the whole season. They will eventually start dropping a few points. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't think it's out of the out of the question. But like I said, the main thing we need to see from Manchester United is a a level of consistency where they're winning games week in, week out. And so far they've they've found it difficult to string together wins. Like Chelsea have put six together, Leicester have won the last four. Um they need that sort of consistency if they are to close that gap. But I, d- I do think it is it is still possible, um, even if it is a little bit of a long shot. Right, so we'll move on to our final game. It's Aston Villa versus Newcastle. I think you dubbed it the thriller at the Villa offline. Um, it is an interesting fixture, though. Nice one to finish game week 12. Villa seem to be doing just enough by way of performances or results to, to keep themselves distanced from that relegation zone. But... They won't want that gap to close as the season goes on. If they continue to put in performances like they did against Wolves, then they they could quickly find themselves in some trouble, though. They're they're right in the middle of a difficult run of fixtures. After Manchester City, Liverpool and Wolves, they've now obviously got Newcastle. But after that, it's it's Manchester United, Chelsea and Leicester. So after this game, you've got to think, where are they going to get those points from? So they'll, they'll be desperate for three points here. Um, we talked before about a, a very difficult schedule for Newcastle. Um, they started off with a, a very tough run of kind of eight games or so, and they've looked a lot better since they got over that. They had that there was a red card against Leicester, I think it was that, that really kind of skewed things. But then they went and beat Manchester United. They've also had good wins against West Ham and Bournemouth in the last couple of fixtures. So that early underlying process wasn't really helped by the difficult start. But do you think they'll continue to improve or? Or can Villa get what could be a much-needed win in this one? I think Newcastle will continue to improve. I, I've not been, I've not been sold on what Villa um, have given us so far. And um, I wrote a relegation article during the international break, looking at all the teams that we think of, you know, that, that are in the relegation scrap, and it ran the numbers. And Aston Villa came out as having a fifty percent chance of going down, which. Um, now, at the start of the season, we calculated they had a 45% chance of going down. So even though they aren't in the relegation zone right now and they picked up 11 points from 12 games, we actually think their chances of relegation have increased given on, um, given how poorly their underlying process has been so far this season. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not very good news for Villa fans. Um, like you mentioned, they've got a, a couple of tough games coming up after this. So this is almost a must-win game for Villa, really, against a, arguably a fellow relegation candidate. So... It is huge, and you know you only have to open the infogoal.net app, uh, look at the Aston Villa versus Newcastle game, and, and visit their last six games to see how poor their defence has been. And you know, two point eight, one point two, three point five, two point seven, two point six. It's yeah, that 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 sort of defensive process is not going to keep you up. They're actually allowing two point one eight expected goals against per game this season, um, which is one of the highest in the division. Um, I think it's probably second highest behind only Norwich. So they are a team that do give up a lot of good chances on a regular basis. And Newcastle have shown in recent weeks that, well, I described it in, in the article as Steve Bruce taking the handbrake off. They've averaged, well, they, prior to that, uh, those two games against West Ham and Bournemouth, they were the worst attacking team in the Premier League, did, did not average over one expected goal per game. And, and then they go and beat West Ham with 2.3 XG and then they nearly rack up 3 XG against Bournemouth. And, I did a calculation that 41% of Newcastle's total expected goals for this season that came in the last two matches against West Ham and Bournemouth, which is, yeah, quite staggering. And does suggest that um, that now they've got through that tough schedule that you mentioned, that that Steve Bruce is willing to let his attacking players and his flair players have a real go now and um, and create chances and score goals, which only uh, bodes well for Newcastle in this game. 
given um, Aston Villa's defensive frailties. So, um, we, you know, Newcastle are a team that are trending in the right direction and, and Villa are definitely a team that are trending in the wrong direction. Uh, luckily for them, we've already got 11 points on the board before the, um, you know, the, the fixtures that you mentioned. Newcastle have now got 15 points on the board and I think they've played pretty much every all, all of the tough teams bar in Manchester City. So, um, yeah, Newcastle are definitely in the better space of the of the two teams and based on what we've seen so far on underlying process, it's no surprise that we're, we're, we're on side with Newcastle here in terms of getting something from the game. We think Villa are way too short at 46%. Uh, slightly odds against is for me is just way too short on a team that allows so many big chances regularly. Um, we're 61% chance of Newcastle or the draw, which represents a huge amount of value compared to what's on offer. Yeah, we've got, I think it's just over 50%, isn't it, for the draw and, and Newcastle, both around 26%. Um, and over under wise, we're looking at a, well, the market seems to sh- suggest a, a pretty low scoring game because they're, they're trending towards the under on the, the 2.5 goals mark. That's a bit of a surprise. I mean, given that given what Newcastle have shown us recently, and and what Villa have shown us from the um, over the course of the season, I would I would expect goals in this one, and um, yeah, I think we could see a two-one or a two-two. Hopefully, it is a thriller at Villa. <laughs> You've dubbed it now, so it'll be a nil-nil. Yep, yeah, nil-nil. <laughs> well, that is that's all our fixtures for the week. We we've had to wait a while for the action to return, but but hopefully the wait is worth it. Thanks for coming on, Jake. Always good to get your thoughts on the fixtures and to to find out what the InfoGoal model's thinking compared to the market. Yeah, anytime, Ben. And, and thankfully, we don't have an international break until March, I think. So, wall-to-wall Premier League football. If anyone wants more information on InfoGoal, then visit infogold.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter, and download the app on iTunes and Android. You'll find all the latest odds for this weekend's Premier League fixtures on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets, and please remember to gamble responsibly. 